It's sitting here with a very talented comedian. You may have seen him on Pete Holmes' show, uh, Eric Andre's show, and he was also at the South by Southwest Festival this year. I'm sitting here with a very talented Mr. Byron Bowers. Yeah. What's up, Byron? How are you? What's going on? Not much, not much. Chilling. All those credits wasn't even mine. <laughs> did I miss any? Did I get them all? No, nah, you didn't get them all, but <laughs> no, nah, you did good. Yeah. I was just going to say that wasn't me. <laughs> Somebody else. I ain't never been to Austin before. They <laughs> keep turning me down. I thought you did South by Southwest this year. Did I? Didn't you? I saw your name on some poster or list. Man. Did I misread that? I don't know. You probably was looking at that NSA list. <laughs> I could have sworn you were there. I was supposed to go to uh, Malaysia, but <laughs> I had flight problems. <laughs> <laughs> Keep I shouldn't even be doing this. I shouldn't even be doing this right now. But we're in my house. You know what I mean? Which is very comfy. I we're, like yeah, we're in my comfortable little one studio apartment. So Got you know. a big poster in New York. You're not from New York though, are you? You said you're from the no, South? No, yeah, I'm from the South, man. Where are you from? Uh I grew up I was born in Athens and I grew up in the metro Atlanta area. Okay. Yeah, the Cal County, Clarkston. Uh spent some time in Cobb. Little time in Atlanta, you know. So this heat has nothing. Hmm? Uh, this heat has nothing. Oh no, this the... feels great. This As feels you can good. Tell, I'm not even used to AC no more. I'm just chilling. <laughs> like, turn that off. It's too cold. <laughs> That's Fifth and Broadway up there on that. Yeah, I like the yeah. Flatiron Building right there. Yeah, it's awesome. It was either that or a mirror, and uh, <laughs> somebody said, "Don't get a mirror because you'll seem like an asshole if you ever had company." <laughs> So I didn't get the mirror. I like. I think it's a good choice. I really yeah. like it. So what was it like growing up in the South? Were you there for how long? Till you were eighteen or? No, I was there till like, I don't know, twenty seven or twenty eight. Twenty seven, twenty eight. And you go to school down there? You go yeah, to college down I went there. there. I did the whole nine. Uh, <laughs> preschool, you know, gotta go to preschool. <laughs> uh, elementary, or some people call it grammar. Uh, were you a class clown? I don't know. Uh, that I don't know. Are you a know. funny kid? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I got beat up a lot. I think it was a lot of adjusting. So you got beat up a lot? Did you use like the comedy as like a coping kind of defense mechanism? I think so. I think it came in later in life. Yeah. Uh, by the time I um, was in high school, I had a shift. Like I had a growth spurt. I started playing sports. Like I already had good grades. So it just became a shift. Like, I didn't care about making friends anymore, and then I just made a bunch of friends. Yeah. You know, so it was a defense mechanism to where I got, if I got nervous, and to this day, if I get nervous, I just get funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when them guns come out, I got the one-liners. Exactly, you know I mean? yeah. Firing them off. <laughs> Nobody can touch it. <laughs> so you grew up, you kind of like, did you have a lot of friends when you were, like, little? And then there was the basketball and the you know, being top of the class, that got you a lot of friends, or like? Uh, I don't recall. I always recall like having one. One good friend. friend. Uh, and they would rotate, <laughs> you know, um, like whenever I moved or whatever until like my 11th grade year. Right. Uh, when I started playing ball, and I met like three of my closest friends that we still remain close to this day. Nice. Um, so through sports, yeah, starting to get into sports programs where I met all my other friends and they 
I guess it's supposed to be a time you learn about teamwork. Right. Um, that really never happened <laughs> for me. Yeah, so. Uh, Riding solo. Yeah, I always, like, bounced around from different things. Yeah. So. Uh, did yeah. the basketball continue into college? Oh, I did until my freshman year, and I got kicked off the team. Why? Uh, you know, I was hurt, and I was, um, like, my grades was, wasn't good. Yeah. And, you know, I had this whole other life outside of school, uh, you know, with, with drugs, selling drugs and stuff like that. Um, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And I think it's still that whole, uh, you know, coach didn't want like dreadlocks and stuff like that or <laughs> right. facial hair. And I was like wearing dreadlocks and facial hair, you know, <laughs> cause I asked them, you know, I asked, I was like, you know, I asked like, could I grow my hair? I'm growing my hair out. And he was like, no. And I was like, man, that's weird. <laughs> Just dreads. Yeah, I had twists. No, I wasn't really smoking, you know what I mean? I still didn't really smoke. Yeah. You know, I did move a couple things, moved a couple product, and, uh, you know, just hung out. Like, I had a whole nother afterlife outside of school. Um, So it was an adjustment for me because, you know, uh, I was the first one to go. There was no blueprint of what should be done. Right. And... It There's nobody to like, look in. up to or anything, like see where to go? Yeah, well, it wasn't somebody to look up to, but it was the guy who brought me into the game. Oh, okay. It was a hustler, you know right. what I mean? So before then, I was just a goody two-shoes, but that was just my unraveling of, you know, what's actually going on and what, what life's about. What did you study in college? Uh, I ended up studying, like, uh, electrical engineering. Oh, nice. Yeah, until my senior year, and then I uh, – and then I quit. And uh, once I realized I wanted to do stand-up, I went to business management. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I have to get out. Like, I'm either going to quit or I'm going to get this uh, degree. I feel like business is the comedian major. It's like you just, I need to pick something. I don't know what I want to do, but this will be the one way to get out. It's the easiest, yeah. like, major. <laughs> Well, that's my, I learned about teamwork there, you know what I mean? Right, working with partners all the time. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. With engineer, you work with partners, but it's so much uh, studying and stuff on your own. Then you might come together and build stuff, which I like. But then I also like the fact that I could walk in a room and you're better at this subject than me. Right. And then I just have you do my homework and take those tests for me. Exactly. And then I do the same with the subject that I'm strong at, you know? Right. Um, and I, I started um, selling uh, like software illegally and books, you know, stolen books. It's just whatever I can get my hand on, you know what I mean? I wish you were around, man. Books were like a hundred dollars, like no, they was now. they was sixty, you know, <laughs> they was sixty. If they were one fifty, I had them for sixty because I had, I'm more of a powerful to the people person. Can't beat that. Dude. Well, this is what happened. I'm gonna tell you what happened. You're like, the original Amazon. I'm going to tell you what happened. I did not know, like, my freshman year, I didn't have no books right. in college because I came from, like, where the books were provided and free lunch. Right. So I didn't know, like, you know, when you went to college, there was no books. There was no lunch, you know, and these things. So, and some guys who, I had a partial scholarship. Some guys on full scholarship get stipend money and all that stuff. And that I wasn't having that coming in and. 
um, you know, so I was just like, and the first time I actually really started buying books, especially when I became an engineer, their books are like 150, 180, and then they'd be like, we got a buyback program, so I'm like, oh, phew, that's good, and then you take the book back, and they like, yeah, here go $30, right? right? So, you know, that, that, came, that whole thing, I wasn't, uh, I didn't like, um, and I, I can't continue to let nobody get me like that. So it's just a thing. Of, you helped I'm, all your friends, too. Yeah, like, I'm going to get you before you get me. <laughs> but I learned, you know, you just to not be greedy. So I only take a certain amount of books and s- sell it to a certain amount of people, depending on the classes we had together. So you were just natural business major from the get-go. Even with the electrical engineering, you had that business mentality. I don't think so. I think that age. the people I was around was major business guys. Like a friend of mine owned his own valet company. Oh, wow. Uh, that has a lot of money in it. The guy I looked up to, he owned a, well, he owned a strip club. Damn. You know? But I've been blessed. At 19 and 20, they had strip clubs? Well, one guy one guy had... I'm, I met a pimp when I was like 19, and he had like seven chicks. He was 21. Jesus. And the guy that brought me on, he was like 20, and he was making money. So, uh, you know, and I, I just came up a different way. You know, I was brainwashed to go... And you know, be like this engineer and stuff, but right. I'm seeing all this stuff, and then like by the time I think I was 23, and I was actually in corporate and out of corporate, I ain't know what to do because I had already hustled and I had already worked corporate, and um, I was just stuck. Like, it was just a bunch of places I didn't fit in, right? Even in schools and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, uh, well, so take it back like a little bit, like before that. When you were growing up, like in your house, were your parents funny, or did you have siblings who were kind of funny, or like what was like the first like thing that you remember seeing? Was there like a movie or any stand ups that you saw? Oh, uh, I don't know. I remember. I remember the Golden Child, Eddie Murphy right. movie. My dad used to take me to movies, and he would pick up a lot of women, and that was that was what we did. You know what I mean? Go Golden Child was before Harlem Nights. After I think it was before. Before it was a flop. I heard. Yeah, that was my favorite. It's a good movie. It's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. <laughs> and uh, my aunt said when I was like seven, I told her I wanted to be a comedian. Wow. But I remember breakdancing in clubs, just entertaining. You know, in the skating rinks. Right. Not clubs, but skating rinks. This is a club to a child. It was a stage for you. Okay. And my uncle was like, "You should don't don't you shouldn't concentrate on all that stuff. You should concentrate on your education." And I did. Yeah. You know, which don't make sense because, I don't know, he still live with, my, with his grandma. He with my grandma. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I listen to him. You got this nice studio down in L.A. Yeah, like, so, you, you know. something, right? There you go. Oh, uh, but my my father family funny. My mom family, they, they comedy is different. It's a little more stiff. You know, I, I say that's the bougie side, but my dad family is just like all out. You know, those are the first thing I would see. Like, like we had a TV room at my grandma's house, and the bathroom was right next to. Was, you had to go through the TV room to get to the bathroom. Right. And my granddad, before he take a shower, he would just walk through there naked, just stand in front of the TV, <laughs> like, "What y'all watching?" Oh, you know no. what I mean? Those are the first jokes. You know, like he told he told us those jokes. He had that personality, and he he would say, uh, "You know, it was a thing where it was a lot of testosterone around." Cause all my cousins on that side are boys, and we would use the bathroom like it was a trough. We would go to go pee in the tub or the 
or the or the uh, <laughs> or the toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it'd be like multiple people just peeing in the toilet. <laughs> My granddad would come in and be like, "Look at y'all little dicks." You know, <laughs> he's like, he like, "Y'all gonna get something like this one day." Look at this shit. Oh, you know, uh, and he'd be like, "Y'all don't even know how to clean." I remember the first thing he told me. He's like, you don't even know how to clean yourself yet properly. <laughs> you know, he's like, how do you clean it? He, he was just like, this is what you do. You put you put a bunch of soap in your hand, you lather it up, and you just keep rubbing it back and forth. Oh, my keep God. rubbing it back and forth. <laughs> how and he's old like, uh, you? And he's like, how, how you know, but how, how will we know when it's clean? And he's like, oh, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> so Grandpa gave an early lesson Those on the, masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> well, how old were you, like 10 years old? Something yeah, like. I was, no, I had to be before then, but they... <laughs> They was like they real sexual. Like that's so we go fishing and read like Playboy magazines. Yeah, kids, you know. So that's just what it was. But it prepared us. You know what I mean? Right. Because I had I had sex at ten, so I was prepared. You know, that's just what it was. Country. It was kind of a country lifestyle. This outside of Atlanta. This Athens, Georgia. So yeah. You know, when you in the country, things happen differently. Was going to the city kind of a big shift, or you? Yeah, it was a big shift. It was a lot of getting picked on. Yeah. Uh, not knowing what was going on. Because you come in with naivete and you you like, hey, how y'all doing? And uh, You're friendlier when you're not from yeah. the city. Like, warm people yeah. usually are not in the city. And the city is cold and you dress funny. too fast. Yeah. And uh, they let you know. <laughs> you walk up, you're like, hey, how y'all doing? And they just might slap you. Pow. Oh. Yeah, so they, they groom you for... You know, they you basically groom to to have a certain way of thinking and stuff. You know, not. But so you were on the basketball team too, so I'm sure you got, you know, into the groove pretty quickly and became popular and got some friends right off the bat, right? Uh, yeah, but that's like 11th grade. Like prior to then, was a lot of like a lot of whatever. You know what I mean? Um, even being on the team is cool. I didn't like play as much. You know, I spent a lot of time. Working on my freestyle rapping skills on the bench, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Is that what you wanted to do before comedy? Oh, uh, I don't know, man. It's always been drawn to entertainment. Yeah, you know. Um, I remember seeing a thriller video and stuff like that, and just being amazed. And like, uh, yeah. So, but I think yeah. Before I did stand up in college, I did write. I actually wrote raps, and would go in just a radio station and freestyle. Oh, you know nice. what I mean? So I think I was a part of that world. And I still like rap more than comedy to really? this day. Yeah. Like, I look at rap every day. I don't really look at comedies, even on TV. But I, I look at a lot of rap. Who do you like to listen to a lot? Oh, uh, I'm a fan of trap music, you know. Okay. Um, Jay-Z, my number one rapper. Yeah. But I still like Rick Ross. And I still like, you know, Kanye and uh, a lot of Southern stuff, though, which is real motivational to me because it's about getting money by any ways or being successful by any ways. Right. Uh, necessary uh, and I remember that um, having that feeling you know that anger and that ambition to get out and to leave you know where I was from so you wanted to get out pretty quick you, like do you want to go like a big city like LA or New York right away no you I know? think I still had fear you know I didn't go too far from home like the first you know they was trying to get me to go to um, to uh, what's the college in DC the black college was it Hampton University? Yeah, they tried to get me to go to Hampton. I didn't want to go that far from home, so I ended up going to Tennessee. So Hampton probably, probably would have been a better choice. Uh, but, um, yeah, I still had a fear of leaving until 
until, I don't know, it was just time to go. Things I could just feel like the world was crumbling in where I was. Yeah. And I got out of Georgia just in time because my mind started to get bored. That's the devil's playground. Right. So I knew I wasn't going to work, you know what I mean? And I knew I wasn't going to do whatever. So there's just nothing left uh, positive to do at that time, you know what I mean? So I left. So so you said, like, the first, like, big comedy thing that you would have saw probably was the Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. And you said you saw Thriller. And so you were around the time of, like, Delirious and Raw coming out too, right? Yeah, I didn't see that. I remember... I think I was in junior high school. My mom put this disc on my desk. You know what I mean? Because I had a desk already. <laughs> you know? So. Businessman. It wasn't a, it wasn't a <laughs> businessman. It's just like, when I look at it, like, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we had more than pe- other people. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I, I used to do these programs for lower income families when I was a kid where they would give you jobs. Uh and I would go work for, I would go into projects and actually work and be like a camp counselor for project kids. And I'd be like 15 and 16 and they'd be like 12. And then they would try to jump me too. You know what, what I mean? Cause we was all the same size. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is for the, the growth spurt. spurt. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and we, they look just as old as me. Too, right. You know? So, uh, I still had a desk. I collected things. Cause I thought I was gonna be a mad scientist or a vampire. What'd you collect? Like screws and. Um, you're gonna be a mad scientist. Rulers and anything that I could use to build stuff. Like yeah. when people throw stuff away, I could take it apart and then see what I could salvage to maybe build like a, a evil robot or something. <laughs> uh, so, uh, my mom put this disc on my desk, and it was Martin Lawrence Talk Shit album. Oh. And I remember listening to that album, and I was like, "Man, this is like the funniest thing I ever heard." Yeah. And uh, and then like later it was Def Jam, and all right. these things just hit boom. And I remember like people would be going out on Fridays, and I'd be like watching Def Jam. We had the stolen cable, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, we had the. That's when they had them scientific Atlanta boxes, cable boxes that somebody could reprogram. Boom! You had free cable. Yeah, Def Jam on Fridays. The HBO Fridays, yeah. midnight, every night, every Friday, you know what I mean? Uh, and that was the thing. Rap. Were, you, were you into Saturday Night Live too, or was that your Saturday Night Live? Like you just Def no, Jam I didn't know about Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And yeah, I still haven't really watched Saturday Night Live, you know? Oh, Def Jam, what was this, early 90s by now? Yeah. Even like, what, Rodman was there at some point, no? Yeah, he, he was, was on there. there. It was early Def Chris Jam. Chris Tucker. It was Def Jam. Chris Tucker and Bernard Mac stood out to me. Uh, Eddie Griffin, right? Dave Chappelle. You know, I didn't know about the other Dave Chappelle. I just knew about this guy. Like, damn, who this like guy? Like Nutty Professor Dave Chappelle, really? Well, I knew about. I didn't know about. Like, I didn't know he was much of a crossover act. I just knew he was just a he was just a, a weird cat for that platform. You know that I yeah. seen him on. Uh, so it was interesting to watch those. And then I also had Rap City and Yo MTV Raps. So that was it, you know, come home. If I could, Rap City or MTV Raps. When I played basketball, I didn't get home like eight or nine, you know, so uh, that was a good time for me because, um, yeah, music-wise, just the stuff that came out. Like, 
even when West Coast rap hit, I was still listening to East Coast rap. Yeah. Um, so I was all about Tribe Called Quest and They Lie. You know, Red Man, yeah. yeah, these guys. And then, like, Jay-Z came out, and it was a rap in 96. Uh, Dead Presidents changed my life. Dead Pres? Yep. Yeah. That album. Hip-hop? No, not Dead Pres. Jay-Z's single Dead Presidents. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Changed my life, you know what I mean? So That's, like, the perfect time of where hip-hop, this thing you're into, and comedy sort of came at the same time like that's what Def Jam yeah pretty much like the perfect meld of those two yep and do you remember like your first sort of did, do you remember like, did you go on stage when you were in college or yeah I started uh, I don't know if it started me hosting a talent show in college but I remember like I was a guy who wore the weird clothing you know what I mean you had your own unique style and yeah the, I was just only, what was your style I was the only nigga shop at Hot Topic <laughs> when it dropped, you know what I mean? <laughs> when it first came out. Yeah, when it first came out. So I just have on like the weird. Before anybody knew about it, you were like. No, nah, nobody went in there. I have the bracelets with the spikes. <laughs> then I have on like some weird hot topic pants that represent whatever that part of me was, the creative side. But then I still wore like all white Alpha Ones. That's so funny. <laughs> and shades, you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, like that, that was my style. And I would go on and just say some some of the most unrelatable shit <laughs> or harshest shit ever. And it still haven't changed this day. Like how did the town show go over? Uh man, it was I was nervous. It went over all right. Got some was, laughs. Uh I got a couple laughs, but it was mostly about the acts, so that helped me out. Okay. So I could just diss them. <laughs> so a little girl would come out and sing, I'd be like, Yeah, but Man, this little bitch got a long way to go. <laughs> and I'd always be like, oh, like her family just be like, oh. And I'd be like, man, you know, so that was the that was the beginning, which made me want to go, you know, uh, to a comedy club and actually try stand up. And that's what I did. I went to um, I went to like Uptown, a place called Uptown. In Atlanta? Corner. Yeah. Uh, the original one. And I walked in and they said, if you sign up, you can perform. And me and my homeboy who took me up there signed the list. My homeboy Black, we both signed the list. And he's like, what you gonna talk about? I was like, I don't know. Cause you know, prior to then I just been funny. <laughs> you know, by the time I was a senior in high school, I ruled. Yeah. Yeah. Cause going in, I got snapped on so much. I just learned how to snap. To, I would just sit on the table and just take challenges. And you had all just, the one-liners just in your pocket. Just talking about people was nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so guys, did you riff on stage the first time you went up? Yeah, I did. We just picking on some people in the front row, or like, did, did you have like any sort of? I wanted to talk about how ugly people kids were, <laughs> and another subject. I remember just writing that down on a napkin, and I went in and uh, I was like, "How many people got kids?" And it's a black club, so down there everybody clapped. I was like, "Man, some of y'all got ugly kids." <laughs> um, and that's pretty much all I had. What nineteen, twenty year? I don't think I, think I had to be like 21, 22. 22. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the booze came. <laughs> and then uh, this guy snapped on me, and I snapped on him back. Boom, and I hit him. He hit me. Boom, I hit him hard. Boom. Do you remember what he said? Uh, I remember he was talking about my clothes. Cause I just you got had, the hot topic on? No, I had just regular, like, I had, uh, I remember, I think I had on a black Echo shirt. Yeah. Some old Jordans and some old, my first pair of Jordans, I think. And uh, no socks. 
some jean shorts, <laughs> probably some Jabo jean shorts. Uh, and um, he was like, uh, he said something about my shirt, and he's like, man, I got on a three hundred dollars shirt because drug dealers and uh, right. strippers in this club. You know what I mean? <laughs> man, I got on three hundred dollars shirt, and I was like, well, nigga, you got ripped off. <laughs> you know what I mean? You paid three hundred dollars for that. The audience, boom, they laughing. You want them back? And then uh, he was like, hey. He like, I got some socks in my trunk if you need them. <laughs> and then it was just over. The audience was like, oh, boo. The lights went off. The DJ uh, started scratching. And by this time, I'm standing right next to the dude. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, real confrontational. Were you afraid? No, nah, but the host came up. He was like, you never leave the stage because on stage, you're safe. In case somebody walk on stage, you got security or whatever. Yeah. But once you leave the stage... It's not safe. And the host ripped me an asshole. And uh, I just left. Like, I remember going to the right. They had an exit on the right. And I left because I couldn't find my homeboy. And he was already, he had the car already on and running. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, man, I heard them booing you from out here. You know oh what I mean? Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, it was a long ride home. And I was like, I, 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 I won't do it no more. So did you take like a long break in between that first set and going back up? Yeah, I think it was like two, two, three years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Were you just like afraid of it, like getting booed again, or you just? Yeah, I, I was just like, I, it is nothing. Like this ain't me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not me. You know what I mean? Um, so what were you doing in the meantime, like those couple of years, just kind of like trying to find what you're really into? I think I was still working at the time. Uh. Well, I just started working corporate, and I just wasn't doing much, just trying to survive and dealing with, like, home life, which is crazy. Uh, That's kind of where I'm at, too. I just came out of college, and then San Francisco was really, like, easy to do open yeah. mics and stuff. It was really, like, welcoming. You could sign up your name and just get on stage. Here, I go to the comedy store on Mondays. You know, there's, like, 60 people. Yeah. 15 people get picked. So I'm just, like, super intimidated. Back at home, mom and dad, you know, like, hey, you need to go get a job. And just looking everywhere. So it's, like, this weird limbo. Well, fortunately for Atlanta at the time, you could just sign up and get up because I didn't know because I'd never been to a comedy club before. That was my first time in the club. Right. It's kind of set up for you to get booed. Oh, so, yeah. of course, they're going to let you on stage. <laughs> You know, uh, is it to make that like MC look really good? And... Well, uh, the audience is like booing somebody is fun, right? You know, is it like the East Coast where I hear like if they don't like you, they'll let you know, and if they really like you, they'll let you know, kind of a thing? Yeah, don't get me wrong, if they like you, they'll throw money at you, right? I'm so, yeah, like yeah, if they so, really yeah. like you, they'll let you know, they'll stand up and let you know. Is it do you find it? I mean, how often do you play, do you go on tour the East Coast a lot, or no, not really, they still don't like me. Really? I mean, like, maybe in New York, they're sensitive, you know what I mean? Right. To some of my material. But I'm more, like, I got the confidence now. Like, every all that bullying and booing, I, if I get booed, I just get cockier. <laughs> you know? Well, you have an amazing presence, like, on stage. Like, when you come out, when I saw you at the Meltdown, you just come out and the front row is kind of empty. There's, like, one person sitting yeah. on the corner. And you have the foot up on the front row, like, you're kind of coming in, and you walk around the stage a lot. You, I mean, you're one of the only comics that I've seen at the Comedy Magic who utilizes, utilizes the whole stage, stool, mic stand, yeah. you know, like, everything. It's a huge performance. Well, I'm confrontational, that's why. Mm -hmm. I like to be in your face. It's noticeable, too, because a lot of times you'll see a comic like the guy who opened for you, who's really great, but a lot of comics, I feel like they look over 
the whole audience. Yeah. And you, you know, you got a lot of eye contact with every person. It's yeah. much more intimate and personal. And I feel like it's just way funnier. I don't know what it is, man. I think, you know, I, I'm not, I was never allowed to say what I want to say. And if I did, I would get kicked out of school and stuff. So <laughs> now it's like, I'm going to say what I want to say now. You know, I believe in, I believe, I always believe in what I believe in to the death. You right. know what I mean? Well, that's the thing with your material. Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, Chappelle and, like, Carlin or something like that, where you'll you'll sort of start off a topic, and it's a little controversial. Like, I remember your set, you talked about, you know, like, you just, like, gender or, like, you retard and, you know, how you say mentally challenged is worse than the word retarded. Yeah. And you kind of, you set it up where you're like, you know, the word retarded isn't that bad. And then everybody gets sort of drawn back, and I look at the audience, and everybody's like, what is he going to say? And then you just come back, and you just, like, win them back yeah. like instantly with your point of view. Because you have a very unique point of view. I don't know what it is. very funny. I don't think so. I think so, because it's, I mean, you're dealing with subject matter that's not every comic wants to touch, necessarily. You're not just doing, like, oh, my, you know, you're not doing, top, like, observational my refrigerator airline jokes or whatever like you're doing cultural stuff but i still realize oh it's a fear in that that's why you think Re you have fear in yeah, those topics as much as i feel as much as uh, unafraid i am on stage i'm still afraid uh so but the confidence is there though like you know yeah but that's because the stuff i talk about is hiding the real right thing you know what i mean like i'm talking about retards and why the word retard is, is not, you know, uh, the changing of it or the word mentally challenged sounds worse than the word, you know, retard is because I'm really saying that, uh, you know, African-Americans sound worse than the word nigga, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and all these things, you know what I mean? So these are the things that I've lived or I've seen um, and they like making their way out. They find their way out. Yeah. Cause if it was up to me, I probably would just do clean comedy now. <laughs> but I have all this stuff that has to get out. Like it's just boring. Like it reminds me of like when you' about to throw up. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't want to do it, but it has to come. <laughs> yeah, it's an uneasy thing in your stomach. You know. Right. So until I get to the point where I am talking about the word nigga and and the changing of it. Um, then I think it'll be more at ease. No, I got. I definitely picked up that tone when you know you because after that you said, you know, why do we call redheads gingers and yeah. stuff like that? So I definitely got that, and that's why I ref referred you to uh, Chappelle because I feel like it's a lot of the same sort of. You're not just dealing with. You're dealing with a lot of intense like cultural subject matter that's important to you, and like a lot of people will get drawn aback. Yeah. By a little bit. But instantly they'll pick up and sort of connect and relate to it. I feel like nobody know if you if you take gingers and rearrange the words, it's just niggers. <laughs> it is. That's it's a derogatory it is. term, yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. I just ain't made it funny yet. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, so every, I mean, all that stuff is new. You know the, yeah. So like, yeah, the trans, the transsexual. Being even being able to donate sperm and then the redhead not being able to donate sperm, it just shows you how society is. But that's like me saying, like, you know, growing up in the Bible Belt, where people be like, 
as a good kid who didn't curse or anything. Right. And people who told me not to curse, cursed. Or, you know, people telling you you should date a good girl or find somebody you like, you know, them didn't find nobody they liked. They brought home, you know, whatever. The opposite, yeah. Uh, and people who told people they love them killed them, you know. So it's a lot of that whatever that's in there that I still have to learn how to, I guess, deal with and then get get it out and get rid of it, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so, yeah. I just think it's really impressive that, you know, because I see a lot of comics and I feel like, you know, Mark Maron, I heard him say he went to the comedy store one night and he just sat in the back and he closed his eyes and he said all the comics sort of have the same voice and they're all talking about the same few topics like Tinder, like whatever they're talking yeah. about. And I feel like every time I see your your new material or whatever it is that you're doing, it's sort of always like pushing a little bit the boundary and you're just always kind of exploring these areas that I feel like people should talk about. Nothing should be sacred and common like you should talk about all these things i mean i've seen you come out with that you know you come out and like one of the first things you say was i think you should bring when are they gonna bring slavery back because i'm tired of looking for a job or something like that yeah that's a great bit and i feel like when you say that at a club like comedy magic everybody gets tense real yeah. quick for a second and then it's just the perfect amount of tension that's released with laughter and i really think it's brilliant stuff i wrote a bit like that like maybe like eight years ago uh this guy no name at uh, i ain't gonna say his name but uh he got it's sent- okay there's like three people listening to this mic no it's, it's, it's gonna come out one day but uh he know who he is anyway uh he went to uh he went to prison for murder right right um and i went to visit him one time you know in prison it's probably one of the reasons I don't go visit people in jail. But, you know, he had clothes. He had his orange jumpsuit. I'm looking bummy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had a brand new crispy orange jumpsuit. Oh, let me get laying back. And um he had his uh he had on some some Jordans. And, you know, he we was like, What you doing? He was like, Oh, I'm in the back watching T V, man. I just got to finish playing basketball. I'm like, damn, y'all got basketball court in there? And y'all got cable TV? I ain't had none of this. <laughs> right? And yeah. I was like, I was like, damn, he got he got cable TV, basketball, air condition. He eat three times a day. Uh and we out here like struggling right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh and I was like, damn. So that's where the I think that's a like slight premise of where that bit came from. I used to talk about that, like being jealous of somebody in jail and how they was living. Um, but yeah, I think that was the premise for that. And then like it got to a point where my friends were just looking for work. And I was like, man, it would have been easier back in them days because jobs was already there. And you didn't have to worry about rent. <laughs> you know, the main thing is you didn't have to worry about rent. You know what right. I mean? That's so funny because I had like the same premise floating around when I was like doing some of the mics. And I was like, you know, I got to pay for a gym membership. Yeah. got to get a library, you know, card, whatever. All this stuff, it adds up when you go to college. It's cheaper, actually, to get arrested for something stupid. You get the, all the free gym you want. You can read for as long as you want. Nobody's going to bother you. And you can get your master's. Yeah. In print. From like, you know, professors from like Stanford and stuff like yeah. that. Better than the school that I was going to, so... 
It actually seems like a better deal. But yeah. I'm just fantasizing it. I probably have no idea what I'm talking about. I mean, it all depends on the person, man. Like, I've been, uh, I've been unfortunate enough to be around so many people. And you see different forms of life. Like, you know people make mistakes. But if they ambitious, ambitious enough, they're going to come back on top. Right. Um, that's just what it is. As long as they can get uh, in a place where they're motivated and be able to see different stuff. Like me being bused to a white school let me know that I can make it out of where I was. You know what I mean? And it made everything seem attainable. It sort of opened the doors. and Yeah. I really believe that too. Being able to see, you know, being able to see sort of success, sort of inspires you to do it. Yeah. Too. I remember in high school they took us on a field trip. They took us to Compton Courthouse, and then our community college, El Camino. And we're like, why are you guys taking us here? Like, is this to show us that you don't want to like don't end up here? When like I knew in other schools they're taking them to UCLA and they're yeah. going to USC. I'm like, if I knew, I didn't even know that existed. You know, just Man. sheer ignorance. And then I finally went and I saw UCLA. I was like, damn, I should have studied harder. This is so nice. Yeah, my my counselor said something in high school about my advanced courses, but I didn't know. You know what I mean? There was no research. Like I picked my own school. Yeah, I picked my own high school, my own junior high. You know what I mean? Um, I made those decisions as a as a coming out of elementary school on what's where I wanted to further my, you know, education. Right. But it was no body, no way of knowing about the after school programs and all that stuff. Cause my mom wasn't a part of that community. All she knew was that it was far. Uh, but it wasn't until I was like, till I met my ex in college. And seeing how she went to school for free, and I was like, what, "What you play?" And she was like, "No, I just grades." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> that same thing happened to me too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "All this running they telling us to do? You out of here off of grades?" <laughs> I was like, "I could have did that." Oh my god, I did the same thing. I did like I chose the college. You know, yeah. everybody seems like they have like their PTA mom and dad that are sort of like, hey, do this and apply to this school. I, I knew kids who their parents would write their college acceptance letter. It's like they would write why they their kid wanted to go to whatever school. And I'm sitting there trying to figure all it out on myself. And I finally get to college. I'm halfway through it. And then I'm listening to all these kids are like, oh yeah, you don't you don't fill out your FAFSA thing and you it's free. Like yeah. it's all free. <laughs> like they're just giving you money. Why are you paying for it? No, I'm taking out loans and being stupid. Yeah. I'm like, oh okay. I got those. I, I did it wrong. <laughs> I didn't know, man. Like you gotta think. Even now, like I was the first to graduate in my family, right? Yeah. And my English is kind of fucked up. <laughs> you can imagine the English, you know that my mom or my grandma speak who dropped out of elementary school, you know what I mean? So it's like, when you talk about competing in this society, you just see, it just opens you up when you out here like, oh shit, like how far, like where are you staying? Right. And I already had to deal with that before when I was in college within my, uh, within the black community. They let me know where I stand. Right. You know? I think it's, well, it's like where the set of resources that you were given to kind of these kids had you know lines of family that went to like Notre Dame or something yeah like three generations so they didn't really even have to like look as hard as you did you know into all these schools <clears throat> it was kind of just assumed that they would go there 
Well, I didn't look either. That's the thing. Like, I didn't have... But, you, I mean, you had to work harder, is what I'm saying. I don't think so. I think everybody around me worked harder because they had the skill. They were taught the skills. You know what I mean? Like, my ex, I was married. My ex-wife studied every night. You know what I mean? She was taught that. She's from a military regiment. Right. She was taught to slowly accumulate wealth and those things. Um... Me, I didn't think I would make it past 25. You know what I mean? Uh, I got into college, but it was no thing. I could have went to a better college. You know? I could have went to any college I probably wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't want to go to. I just didn't want to go to the streets. That's the only reason I stayed in college. Right. Until I realized I was going to do stand up, I was going to be in college for like ever. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to work, but that's a bad mentality when you think yeah. about it. <laughs> You know, that just breeds, you know, even the stuff I have to go through now is because I didn't learn those things. I didn't learn how to do a schedule or nothing like that. Showed up to class whenever, left class whenever. Yeah. I could be there five minutes and be like, this ain't it for today. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but just off talent, you know what I mean? I graduated off talent. Yeah. You know, um, and she was upset about that because I did probably a quarter of the work she's done yeah you know uh so that's the thing like but when do you think was it when you got with your ex-wife that you started learning those things like becoming more organized and the sort of i mean I, are you still I tried like that to, I, I try to i try to but it still don't work out for me yeah. like i spend more time focusing on focusing than on focusing <laughs> you know what i mean I feel, yeah. yeah so <laughs> It's like, all right, I'm going to plan a schedule. Like, I'm already neat, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know. But I just can't. When it's time to sit down. This apartment is, um, like, immaculate, like, hotel style. Just everything's in place. Yeah, dude, everything has a place. Everything, to me, has a place. But I'm not like that in life. In your life, yeah. I'm not like that in life, like. That's exactly what I do. That's my I have my OCD where like it's my room, my car, and I keep all yeah. that. But then my life over here is just in shambles, and I can't get it together. Yeah. I'm trying to pull it together all the time. That's how. When you here, you follow my rules. But when I'm out there, I follow my rules. <laughs> right. Like I don't cops and military. Nobody tell me what the fuck to do. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's how I am, and I'm realizing that like, oh shit, like nobody should stop me. Uh, and I'm like something I gotta do something with it cause uh, yeah I didn't even have a curfew growing up wow yeah just free range do it. just free range so it was up to me to like not stay out of trouble yeah cause I knew if I got in trouble my mom already told me she wasn't coming to jail to get me so my thing is I can't get in trouble that was the thing growing up like there's no cell phones nothing there's maybe a pay phone if you had some change on you but you were out like your parents just knew that but this now, guy, I don't know how they the parents deal with it anymore. This guy taught me how to get money out of the payphone. How did you just unscrew the bottom thing? With a nail file. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you got a nail file, you could sometimes go to something that have quarters like jammed up in them. I think he tried to rape me too, but. <laughs> That's a different story. Well, I mean, yeah, it got. That's how the universe works. We was, he was like, You want to make some money? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, We're going to go paint my mama house. Meet me at this train station. Yeah. I met him at the train station. We was in Decatur. That's my side of town. We were just going to cross over to East Atlanta. Um, we was walking. We got off the bus stop. We was walking. And he was like, I'm going to go. It's a liquor store on the corner. He's like, my friend, you know, uh, working this liquor store. I'm going to stop by. 
we go in the liquor store and uh he's like we got to cut through behind this alley or whatever but we go in the liquor store before we get to the alley and uh it's a drive-through liquor store yeah and he say what's up to his friends and somebody in the window look at him be like hey hey man hey i remember you he's talking to his friend he's like hey man that's that motherfucker trying to rape my little brother oh no and all everybody in the van was like what the fuck you know because this is <laughs> south this is still anti you know this is still gay bashing like whatever you know what i mean uh so you're just caught up in the middle of this and then he looked and he was like man i don't know what these people are talking about oh my god he's like let's get out of here <laughs> we left we about to go through the alley and the van pulled up like like drive-by style and when the tire screeched i froze like i ain't never been so shook before in my life though i couldn't move and he was like hey shawty and he's like not you little shawty you and then he hopped out the van and then he hit that dude bow and then everybody else got out the van started beating his ass and when he got down this last guy hopped out around the van with one leg hopped he's like hold him for me and he suplexed him just dropped Ooh. i never seen that shit before in my life jesus and the guy got up after the van peeled off he got up bleeding just blood coming out of his face and he's like man he's like man thank you for not leaving <laughs> he's like if you was gone they would, if you weren't here they probably would have shot me God. you know and um uh, you drove off no nah, i didn't have a car i was on the bus like oh, i grew okay. up without a car so what happened was he didn't know i was just froze yeah that's the only reason i was there i couldn't move but what i did say i was like man no problem finna go home i just walked right across the street before the incident happened got on the bus and did i just you could just see me looking through the window looking at him as the bus pull off <laughs> just traumatized yeah <laughs> well like so fast forward a little bit you you said you took a couple years in between the first time you hit the stage and the next time was the next time still in atlanta yeah yeah and do you remember how that set went was it oh that set was beautiful yeah uh, it worked once, and then it was all booze from there. So wait, it did well, and then it, it was just it all booze. It did extremely well, and then it was just all booze. Oh wow! I thought then I, I quit. Gonna... I quit again. When did you quit? Like a year after that? Nope. A little bit more. Yeah, three probably three to six months. And why were you getting all these booze? Were you just picking up people in the crowd? No, I was the material man. I remember this time I wrote some jokes. Yeah. And I remember a joke. The first joke I opened with was like. Uh, I, I I recently went to church, you know, and the show was on Sunday, so it helped. You know, that's yeah. easier to applause. And uh, and uh, this is my this is me trying to pander now. <laughs> yeah, I went to church today, man. With the church crowd in the group, <laughs> and everybody clapping. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. Uh, I go I go I'm older, so I go to church for different reasons. I was like, when I was younger, the reason I went to church because my parents made me go. But now that I'm older, I go to church for the right read. I go for the hoes. <laughs> and then when I said <laughs> when I said that, man, that one night it hit me every other night. It was just so rap. Oh. And then another joke, I tried, I was like, okay, that joke don't work. And then I went back and then I was like, man, I recently got caught looking through somebody's window. That would happen. And then I was like, uh, I went around to the window. So the lady was drying off with a towel. She was fine. I started jacking off. <laughs> then she saw me. She was like, boy, what the fuck you doing? And I was like, mama, I locked myself out the house. <laughs> I just came to the window to, see, to tell you to open the door. But I forgot to yell. Oh, and the black audience, oh, they booed the shit oh. out of me. 
Do you remember the first set that, like, the first joke, I mean, that really, like, just clicked right away and you knew it was going to get laughs every time? Like, your first really, really good joke that you did. I don't know, man. You don't remember that? I really don't remember because... Well, how do you write? Do you write mostly on stage, kind of? No, now I do, but I didn't at first, which uh, calls for a lot of overthinking the audience, you know? Um, And when you're a person of intellect, like... My set changed after I graduated from school. Stuff I talked about, my life changed. Like, I wasn't even, it was a drift in the community I was a part of. Um, Nobody else had graduated that I was cool with from college. Right. So I did it for us, to me, in my mind. Like, it looked what we could do, but it had the opposite effect. It caused a split, you know what I mean? Well, it's Um, also like, you know, the crowd is maybe a little bit older and they're listening to a kid who's like 22, 23 and he's talking about, you know, all these like sort of big things. Yeah, I was. I still had big ideas. And I feel like it's hard for a crowd to be like, oh, well, this is just a kid, you know, what does he, he, what does he know or what is he saying? Well, it's still an adjustment going on even to this day. Yeah. Like, the crowd was older and they had a certain lifestyle and I was already outside the box coming in right. as a kid. So you couldn't relate anymore, kind of? Yeah, like, and then my friends, uh, my friends were doing their own thing. Um, it's just a lifestyle had changed. My lifestyle had changed. Uh, everybody else was upset I was doing stand Like my mom, you know, uh, my family. Because it was like, oh, we showed up. This guy graduated from college. And they're like, I'm going to do stand-up. Then they was like, what the hell? That's not why we sent you to college. Yeah, so well, they ain't even sent me, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I just got student loans, you yeah. know. So, yeah, it was just a, it was just an adjustment. I was going in, you know, and just doing these weird topics. I was doing pre, I was doing pre Michael Jackson death. I still talk about Michael Jackson. But I was doing pre Michael Jackson death jokes, you know, yeah. about him being the Jesus for comedians, because you know. Uh, Jesus died for our sins and his death will be for our material. <laughs> you know, like, I'm doing these, like, in, in, the, in the play, in the Bible, but well, they don't even like that type of material. Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, yeah. I started right on stage to not, not overthink. Just bold decisions right off the bat. Yeah, and I'm overthinking, and then I would go to these, these towns, like, travel a little bit, and then um, people were even slower. So I was like, I got to get out. That would make me be like, I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere progressive. Yeah. You know, or I'm done. Which brought me to when, L.A. When did you move to L.A.? How old were you? In 08. I think I was like 28. 28? Yeah. And did you just go to the comedy store right off the bat? Yeah, I went to the store. I went to any place I could find. Like, yeah. I stayed on my home with Ron G. floor. Shout out to Ron G. for letting me sleep on his floor so long. <laughs> I was a squatter in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be on the date. <laughs> I'd be on the floor in his living room, just sleep. <laughs> Shout out to Rubber Man. Okay, you can't forget. You can't forget that. Cause he had roommates. They was like, "What the hell this guy doing?" He's on the floor. And he went to bat for me. You know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. You never forget nothing like that. You know what I mean? He believed in me, but I kept him in the stand-up game too. Yeah. Cause he was gonna quit. You know. But he'll tell you about that if we ever do an interview, like <laughs> how he was gonna quit stand up, and I convinced him not to, and he ended up winning 
this big competition and stuff. Well, he wasn't even supposed to be there. Wow. You know, he promised his, his girl he wasn't going to be there, you know, and that changed his whole life. Did he win the thing? He won, man. That's he won. Basically, the short end of the story, he won the competition. His girl told him, he told him, he promised he wasn't going to show up. He showed up, won the competition, won a trip to two for Vegas. Showed her the ticket. She didn't want to go, so he took me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good friend. Let you crash and go to Vegas. Yeah. That's funny. So then you're also a car guy. Yeah. Big into Porsche? Porsche, man, one of the best cars to me that's ever been made. When did you get into that? Was it without the electrical engineering and all the building? Uh, I always liked cars. Like, me growing up, we always had a car that didn't work. So we never had like transportation, and did you work on the cars then? And no, but I remember my mom saying like, "Yeah, they, they want too much to fix that car. It ain't worth fixing." So I vowed to myself that if I ever, I never own a car I couldn't work on, because I never want to be in that position. Right. Because um, it's just it's just terrible, you know what I mean? Uh, the to go somewhere and not be able to go somewhere. Um, so. That started, and then me going to one of the Porsche craze start. Uh maybe I remember you'd come in the club. You had that Porsche hat. I, I saw it on Instagram too. You had Seinfeld and Chris Rock to sign the hat. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it started like when I was when when I remember going to high school. I got bus to an upper middle class white school, and uh, first saw the um, I always liked foreign cars because the guy who owned the strip club had a D ninety Defender Land Rover, which is old school yeah. that gold and that was like the best car I ever seen and I'm surrounded by a bunch of Chevys and stuff and um that and then seeing them 740 ILs 90s BMWs and then the rare car I would see at the time was the 911 I'm like damn what is this it got look like a V-Dub but it wasn't and then by the time I got to I got here where Porsches are accessible and Cali is a bunch of them yeah I really started to like them. Is 911 your car or Spider? Or? Uh, it will probably be the 911. 911 turbo. The 911 history, man. Once you start getting into like the engineer, like Ferdinand Porsche, who who created that car, along with a bunch of cars, the V-Dub, and you know, working for Hitler, working for Mercedes. Yeah. And you see the type of engineer he was, because he was kept back too. He wanted to be an engineer, but his dad was like, "No, you work in the farms with the family," and they lost power. He he powered the whole house off batteries. You know, and his dad was like, maybe you should try this engineer thing. <laughs> and then sent them off to, like, Germany and yeah. stuff. And, like, I could feel, like, some of his pain. And that's when that's what got me into it deep, you know, amongst a bunch of other supercars, like Coenceneg and, you know, you got the, the, the Bugatti Veyron and all these other cars. Right. Um, so then watching Jay Leno build his cars and uh, Seinfeld, with his thing, you did you know. talk to Seinfeld when he signed your hat? Because he's a Porsche guy too. Yeah, he had a um, he had a wagon, he had a Benz wagon diesel, which come to find out is his favorite car. Really? Like he only had to choose one, he would choose that. The Benz wagon diesel, that like an 80, 85 I think he had. It was in mint condition. Oh my god, wow! And uh, doesn't my, he have like a hanger of Porsches that he could choose from, and he yeah, chose that? Car. That's the car he chose. <laughs> and I had my mine was a nine four four eighty three, mm-hmm. uh, and I worked on that myself, you know, so. It is a good, solid car once you get into it. Yeah. It's a good car. That's awesome. You're just talking Seinfeld and some cars. and Yeah. You ever bump into Leno at Comic Magic or anywhere else? No, I didn't. Uh, I got to go get him to sign the hat. Yeah. 
But I think he would be difficult to talk to. Well, maybe. No, he's actually really, really, like, super nice and down to earth. Like, he's amazing. Well, when they had me there, when I went to see him, they didn't allow me in the back. Yeah. Well, they kind of, like, protect him in the back there. Right? Yeah. And he's only there for, like, he just comes on and does the set. And, and then leaves. Yeah. So I had to catch him, like. But I've heard if you, like, you know, if you're a comic and you, like, ask him to go see his garage, I think he's like, oh, yeah, I'll stop by. That's what I want to do. Yeah, stop by my garage. Him and then uh, it's a guy down here, Urban Urban Outlaw, Magnus Walker downtown. Oh. Which is one of my favorite parts about being in this area. Yeah. Because I know I might catch him one day. (laughs) He he comes out like late at night with his Porsches. He got like sixteen of them. Damn. And he just he just like uh, tearing up down the street. Yeah, like I want to catch him like out. I wish I had my car and I just catch him out. No, I want to chase him down like the Roadrunner and and like the Coyote. Like I want to be on top of a building and spot him, and then hop in my car and just go after him. Um, it's just a weird fantasy I have. <laughs> a few more questions. So you weren't at South by Southwest this year. That was my. No, I was there. You were there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just messing with me. I did nine shows. Nine shows. Wow. Were you with? Were you? Were you with the Comedy Bang Bang group, or were you just doing your? How was it set up? Oh, uh, I just had different. You were friends different... with Hannibal, right? Yeah, so... I just had different shows booked. It started with. with uh, um, rooftop. What's that like? Is it like just different venues and big stages? Or? Man, it's it's uh it's little stages, independent shows. Some of them big. Um, I think I had four shows the first day. Wow. Starting from what time? Like one in the afternoon or something like that. Uh, I think it started at four. I checked in at three. Uh, sat down for twenty minutes and then just went over two hours of sleep and knocked them out. I did comedy by the living room. I did, um, I don't know. Did I do Meltdown there? The Nerdist was there, right? Yeah. Yeah. All those guys, Hardwick. It was a bunch of shows, man. Did you meet any of those guys? So your buddies with Hannibal were ass. Yeah, it was fun. Once Hannibal got there, I felt more relaxed. Yeah. Because I don't know if I'm that antisocial, but when I'm around that a bunch of people. so funny. It's like, we have a synergy. Right. So it really felt like one of my homeboys landed there. Even though he probably don't feel the same way about me. <laughs> do you have, I mean, do you have like a hard time like to like go up to because it's like Seth Myers is there. Yeah, but Matt I don't meet. Are yeah, you, I are you like shy to like go meet those guys, or it's just like you feel kind of. I don't know. I think I still feel like an outsider, a part of me. You know what I mean? Well, Hannibal's like your class comedian, right? You guys came up at the same time. No, nah, he's up there. He's way up. I there. didn't know he was up there, and that's the thing. Like we became friends before I even knew when people was like. Yeah, he got a big tour coming up. I didn't know what the fuck they was talking about. I just it was just somebody who was uh, consistent with me. Like he didn't give a fuck, and I was like, cool, because I'm just used to that. Yeah. So we could just talk about regular stuff, and then we never really talked. Like I I like to talk to people and not talk about comedy because I never really talked about. I never hung out with comics. Right. In Atlanta, like my homeboy, they would flip cars and be into all type of other stuff. You, you know? hang out with comics now more, you think? Or uh, I heard it's hard to hang out with like your regular friends once you become friends with all these comics. And I hang out with them a little more, but to me, comics like they, they some of them like swagger jack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll take stuff or they really into your my point of view, mm. and then they try to like get a piece of that. So it makes me shy away because whatever I talk about is just so. It's just my stuff, you know what I mean? Right. And that's one thing I don't run into with HB, you know, because he's his own entity, you know what I mean? And he don't he don't judge me from my understanding as much, you know? I mean, you both have 
one of the most distinct, I think, like points of views and just voices, I think, out there. Yeah. You know, I know who when Byron's on stage, I know when Hannibal's yeah. on stage. But uh, and you also did the Pete Holmes show like a few months ago. Yeah, Pete May Holmes. That was fun. That was fun. That was How a was fun that show. Like? That was my finest, one of my finest TV spots. Yeah. Yeah, that was like doing a set, and the audience was so good, and I was so. It's loose. a small room, yeah. Yeah, it was. Maybe like two hundred, I think. What's Could it be like? Because I mean, Pete's doing his show. He's kind of like warming you up, warming the crowd. Oh, he's doing a regular show, which I wasn't paying attention to. <laughs> just like a regular comedy club. Yeah. And then they be like, okay, you on, you walk down, and there's no close, there's nobody saying, thank I mean, y'all, good killed. night. That was like one of the yeah. best sets I've seen on that show. That and I didn't great. have time to prepare. I just reacted yeah. when I walked on stage, you know. So I was so present, and that's what made it fun. And there are a lot of great improv between you two. He's such a great improviser. Man, he's you guys great. the either or you know and all those things just riffing back and forth yeah i didn't know what i was in for but i let him have it i'm like this is your thing <laughs> are you buddies with him before like do you see him around i didn't see him around as much you know he was already established when i got here right so he to to me in in my eyes peter's like uh oh hey that's he's funny and then that's it yeah yeah so we'll speak and shake hands and that's it it's very cordial. But no long, no long conversations. You know what I mean? He seems like a nice guy, though. He's nice, but I, you got to be around people to really get a feel for him. Yeah, know? like Kamel and and Jonah and those guys. I'm like around them, um, like when I'm there, when I go to Meltdown and hang. So we got to rapport with each other uh, more than a bunch of other guys, you know. And you're friends with Eric Andre too. You did. Are you on the new season, season three? Yeah, I'm on season three. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool with Eric because Eric, you know, Eric is himself. That's a great show, too. Uh, and How I'm many ma- episodes are you on? I'm just doing one. Doing one episode? Yeah. Was it fun? Did you already do it? Yeah, we got, I did one bit. It was fun. It's fun? Yeah. That show's crazy. It's crazy, man. I mean, do they? It's, I mean, how do they even shoot that thing? It's a lot of, like, post-editing, right? Like, just nonstop. It's a bunch of bits, man. Uh, were you in a sketch or were you on the panel? I did a I did a uh, on the street. Oh, okay. Joke. Nice. You know, uh, and I'm doing a um, you know, bird up segment also. Okay. So, you know, that's his that's his genius. All that stuff that comes out of that that's his genius. He sit down and his writer, they think about those things and and his, the point that point of view is so unique. I feel like I only get forty percent of it. You know, I haven't done the drugs yet. Yeah, <laughs> that, those shows I love those offbeat shows like that, Tim and Eric. Yeah, those are so because they're just they're so unique. You know that nobody's made this before. It's one hundred percent original. Like and touring with I did the tour. It just makes what I do so boring. <laughs> and that's the level I want to take whatever I do on. You know what I mean? Are you into uh, that abstract sort of like? Yeah, piece comedy. of me is yeah yeah. A piece of his, you know. Um, How long do you think it took you to find your voice, kind of? Because you say you want to do clean and you want to do I don't raw think I'm, I'm and still, abstract. Yeah, I, don't, I still don't think still I'm looking? there. I still got, I still got a piece of it. Yeah, but I don't think I'm fully there yet because I could do so much. That's the only thing about being universal. Um, that it's all, it's all a blend. You know, uh, when you th- when you look at some certain bits, um, especially if I do like that museum bit. 
and tie it to you know being profiled in the art museum right. and the guy selling this type of art on the street I love like that. it's just a blend of like all the genres you yeah. know and you know that you're always referring back to the 1700 baroque yeah <laughs> a guy on the street trying to sell a baroque painting you know that's such a great bit all right last thing uh if you were to predict your own success, if somebody in the studio is supposed to come and give you like a check, just a blank check, where do you think you'd go? Do you think you'd do a TV show, a TV series, or a movie, or what are you into? What do you think you're going to do like 10 years from now? Man, I think I, 10 years from now, I think I would still be on stage, but I would have been in like movies or television or something like I that. I saw the Venice Love Story. That short film you did? Oh, yeah. I saw that. That was really funny acting, too. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Do you like acting? I mean, it's fun. I just don't like auditioning or nothing. I don't really do right. that. I'd rather, like, get that phone call and and then work it that way. But this city don't work like that yet. But, you know, if you make a name for yourself, they'll come. So in 10 years, you're still going to be doing stand-up, hopefully in big arenas and yeah. got some movies and stuff. Yeah, definitely big. I like what Chappelle's doing far as a show and then Hannibal started to do a show like that also you like the sketch variety kind of yeah it's a it's a well not as a television show but it's a live show okay but it's musical acts and then it's and then it's comedy or even Eric Andre's live show is his live television show right so you're giving people a, a show you know um Chappelle discovered Kanye kind of right I mean Kanye's first TV appearance was Chappelle show yeah it was Chappelle show I want to say he discovered him <laughs> he was around, but I mean, first yeah, he big was, he show. did a lot of like he did a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? But he yeah, don't really give Kanye the credit he deserves. Yeah, but Chappelle, I mean, he I, he would always come to the SF Jazz Center in San Francisco, and you'd have like just amazing acts come play before him. Yeah, and it's just like you getting three artists for the price of one ticket. Well, when I worked with him, you got to think it was a DJ, very great DJ, me, and then Chappelle. And every show was different. Wow. That's how loose we are on stage. You open for him too? Yeah. That's amazing. What's and, he like? Is he... Oh, he's very cool. Cool dude. I would rather be like that, you know, like just music and just comedy. Like, he was just listen to his music on his radio it's loud. So, it's like jazz. It's just kind of free form and like improvised. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And he's coming from... But he has it all together. Right. Like, whatever I would freestyle for two minutes, he could do for ten you know that's incredible and the, you don't even know when, when the joke's coming now right cause the segue is just that beautiful and um and then you it's like he's at a rock star level cause you would eat you would go do a show and you would eat great food great shows great music at the end of the day DJ's still there you know playing music you know so um and having great conversations and people around and uh, I don't know if I was supposed to ask him about the game, stand up, yeah. but I didn't. We just talked about other stuff, nice. you know, just other different topics. When you're sitting at a table and you're having a, a meal with people. Just chilling with Dave Chappelle. Yeah, That's awesome. Dave Chappelle, uh, Rick Greenstein, his, his agent, talking about uh, collecting things, vintage things, nice. you know what I mean? And, you know, different people around. Jeff from... Uh, from Live Nation. Wow. The main guy Live Nation. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge, man. This is very cool people. 
and me not walking in not even knowing who these people are because <laughs> i don't pay attention to show business like right i just found out the different that the academy awards was the oscars you know what i mean <laughs> well, yeah i'm good fuck you know and then i'm just in, walking in these rooms and they're like hey and i'm like yo what's up nice to meet you <laughs> you know here to knock That's this better, show out though. you know you're just more calm that way yeah it's more calm and they was like hey a- come have dinner with me in the guy from live nation and you know all these people get nervous i probably would do it still but it's still like now i know like you're meeting somebody at a genuine level right because there's no i'm not sucking up you know i don't do that you know what i mean so uh you i really just want to get to know people i like the opt being authentic as, as possible so you don't make a lot of friends that way in this city yeah but it is what it is i'm on a, i got a different journey outside of being you true, yeah. Yeah. Well, we still beings here on this planet. Right. We're still spiritual beings on this planet. So, yeah. It's a backstory to everything. I like that mindset. Is there anything else that we left out? Are you playing any shows next week? This is, this will probably go out on Monday. Any plugs for next week's shows? I know a good show I'm doing. Uh, you said it's going to go out when? Probably Monday. Uh, I don't know my calendar off head, but I do know that me... And Ali Wong are doing the show at the uh, Improv on Melrose. It's her show. She's headlining. Oh, nice. But it's been a while since I worked with her. What day is that? Saturday, 10 o'clock. This Saturday or next Saturday? Next Saturday. Next Saturday. If this comes out on Monday, it'll be that Saturday. All right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's a beast to me in my eyes. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And you got any comedy store gigs next week, maybe? Well, we I'll find out, like, the week of. Right. So that's the thing I put my veils in With those two clubs Comedy Imagine Comedy Store So I find out The week of But I'm gonna be At one of them Awesome Alright guys You heard him He's gonna be at The Comedy Store Comedy Magic Next week hopefully And if not Check him with Ali Wong At the Improv On Melrose Next Saturday Get your tickets At Improv.com And Anyway It was really Oh yeah nice Go to my Twitter to Follow me on Twitter Follow him on Twitter Five Say what's hours. up if you read the, if you came from this podcast. Let me know. Let it be known. Uh, ByronBowlsLive dot com, Facebook, and uh, KKK website. <laughs> <laughs> they got some good jokes. All on those that. links work. <laughs> yeah, all those links work. Still, you know what I mean. You ever been on the KKK website? No, man. They got some it's, funny jokes. They have jokes. a website. Yeah, they got a website. What do they need a website for? Cause they, you know, they're 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 losing. They need a digital presence themselves because they losing like members. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's tough out here for everybody. You know what I mean? The internet has changed the game for everybody. Oh God! All right, man. It was great talking <laughs> to you. It was great getting to know you. All Thanks right. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank y'all, man. Y'all have a good day. Take it easy.